Hey, what's good, everybody? It's me, your hero, Benjamin Banks, and you're listening to a brand new episode of Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Double O-T, Terrific Frav. Frav, how are you doing today? Ooh-wee, Double O-T. Hey, I love that I call you Double O-T because the guest that we're having up here today, he's a huge (laughs) James Bond fan. (laughs) Ooh, how did we not work Uh, that in there? I know. I missed my opportunity, damn it. You missed your opportunity. (laughs) So was he Double O-R? Yeah, Double O-R, Double O-T. He could have been, baby. You got... You got double O D and double O B. Double O D. Whoa. <laughs> but no, but um, no, Trav. You know, speaking of D, he's in the speed force again, y'all. Um, y'all just keep him in your prayers. You know, Black Adam just came out, and uh, you know, they needed him in New York to try and stop New Black York. Adam. <laughs> they needed him in New York, you know. So hmm. um, no, but yeah, we have a phenomenal guest joining us today. This is somebody that is a legend. Mm-hmm. You heard him. And so many things, video games, anime, and video games, the Joker, and then Justice games, uh, Raiden and Mortal Kombat. He's Akuma and Street Fighter V. You know him as Jigen from Lupin the Third. And then, of course, one of my favorite series, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. He voices Joseph Joestar and uh, Diamond, is Un- Diamond is Unbreakable and uh, Stardust Crusaders. And that is Mr. Richard Epcar. So, before we give Mr. Epcar a call, make sure that you rate and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Mm-hmm. Follow us on Spotify. Leave us that five stars and then leave us a comment and let us know why you love us. And if you don't love us, let us know why you don't love us and let us know what we can do so that way that you guys can love us again. And uh, with that being said, here's a word from our sponsor. Golden Eat Tattoo. You can find them at 3109 Airline Boulevard, Portsmouth, Virginia for all your nerd-related tattoos. Leading the area, that is Miss Denise and her team. If you call over there and you mention leveling up banks, you get 10% off your tattoo. That number is going to be 757-465-1010. Call them today. Trav, how are you doing today? It's weird to bow while you're sitting, you know, but the attempt I mean, somebody there. has to do it. Somebody I, I, I appreciate it. But who, who are you bowing to? Were you bowing to the viewers or were you bowing to us? I'm bowing to the legend. What do you mean? Well, I mean, well, I mean, well, well, us looking at you, it looks like you're bowing to both of us. So it's just like, I, that's why I had to ask, wish. you know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, D, he's not here with us. Uh, he's in the Speed Force again. I swear, Trav, I swear every time D comes back from the Speed Force, he goes right back, back to it. it. It always, and then you know, Black Adam just came out, so they needed all the heroes that they could get. So he had to go to New York to try and stop the rock. But um, joining us today during the Great Turkey War that's coming up, we have a legend. You heard him in so many anime, video games, Mortal Kombat as Raiden, uh, Injustice as the Joker, one of my favorite series, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure as old Joseph Joestar, and that is the legend himself, Mr. Richard Epcar. Richard, Hi. how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you, guys. How are you? Thanks for I'm having me fantastic. on. I'm doing fantastic. Peachy. Mm. Peachy. Uh-huh. So, uh, I see yeah. some of the pictures in the back there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm enjoying that. Hey, you're welcome. I mean, you know, it, it always seems like whenever we have a guest up here, they just magically appear on my screen. I don't know no. where how they come from. How does that happen? It's amazing. Now, it's a bizarre adventure. Now that, that's there's a I monkey say. that lost his arm. I don't know who the hell that is, but uh, <laughs> I don't know who that character is. I don't know. I've done, you know, I, I used to tell everybody I've done over 600 characters. Well, I actually looked at IMDb and it's over 1,200 characters. Wow. That's so, incredible. That's, That's so funny because we were talking before and I was like, I'm going to ask him if he thinks he has the most voice characters of all time. And well, you kind of brought it it's, up. It's quite possible. I mean, uh, you know, those are a lot. I, I was I was surprised myself. I know, you know, it's so funny. I uh, there there are some characters that really stick out. You know, you go in and you do some stuff like Raiden, of course, and the Jokers, right. great characters. And I love Joseph Joestar and Bato and Jigen and Lupin the Third and uh Ansem, of course, and Kingdom Hearts, those, you know, and Akuma, I saw him up there earlier. Um, you know, those are characters that really kind of stick out in your mind. But, you know, there are a lot of, uh, uh, you know, I work I work pretty uh, consistently. So there's a lot of times you go in, you do the job, and then you kind of forget about it. And then they they come online with, uh, oh, this new game's out and, and Richard Epcar's in it. And I go, I did that game. I didn't, I, who the hell remembers, <laughs> you know. So it's kind of hard to keep track, as I said, over 1,200 
yeah. characters. It's a it's a lot to keep track of. There's my buddy Jigan. He's he's, Jigen, a, uh, he's one you of know, my favorites. That's a, it's funny that you say that because I remember when the My Hero Academia movie had came out uh-huh. and DC Douglas, he had posted on Instagram, I forgot that I was even in this movie. Cause people were saying, <laughs> Hey, like your name was in the credits, you voiced the character, and he didn't yeah. even know it. Yeah. I feel like that that's kind of a good thing when it's just like you're always working so much and yeah you kind of forget yeah. yeah you kind of forget but the fans don't forget and they'll always let you know That's on right. twitter <laughs> the fans know more than i do i'll tell you i i go to the, some of these conventions and they, they just they blow me away with the stuff they know it's just it's unbelievable you know and they they fill me in a lot of times and you know honestly uh sometimes we go in and we do these characters and we don't know the whole you know plot of the show or the game right. or whatever it is you're doing yeah and the fans they know they so they fill me in a lot of times <laughs> it's like it's like uh when iron man had asked Steve rogers do you know yes oh, so yes. crab what is your tip of the day bring your water that's it bro drink i don't have water. anything drink i just water. got an empty coffee mug I don't have <laughs> oh that's sad that's looking like sad. the talk show where they got the empty coffee cups out there yeah it's like uh yeah it's nothing in here but, I, love, uh, yeah. I love that in movies or TV shows when you can tell it's empty, you know, when yeah. they take a drink out of they usually have the uh, the paper ones, you know, the cardboard ones, and they just do yeah. it, and you know there's nothing in there. It just looks ridiculous. Uh-huh. Yeah. You're not fooling uh, anyone. It's the same thing, too. Like, I always wondered uh, when I was a kid and I would watch those movies where the mom made this giant breakfast, and mm-hmm. I was oh, just yeah. like, oh, I made breakfast, and it's just like, oh, no, nah, I'll eat later. Like, who was she cooking that for? Like, it's like a full course meal, like something that you would eat I, I on tell Thanksgiving. You, not my mom. And then she saw the next scene of her throwing all the crap out and, and yeah. cussing under her breath. My, you know? my favorite is when the their phone's <laughs> literally off and they're on the phone. Like, yeah. dude, you can't pretend to dial somebody, you know, and be on the phone with somebody just for sakes. It's like it's a black screen. I know you're not on the phone with anybody. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at least make it real. I, and I also, my pet peeve is when they hang up and they never say goodbye. Who does right. that? It's just so <laughs> yeah. rude. They always, and every every show, they just hang up on the person. It's like, wow. Yeah, that person could have been like, yeah, so I just wanted to ask you, like, how your day, like, dang, like, they just hung up on me like that. <laughs> Nothing. But uh, Mr. Epcar, yes, one of the first questions that we ask every guest up here on Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks is, what is your origin story? Every hero or villain has one. So tell everybody who doesn't know who you are, who you are. Oh, my God. There's people out there that don't know who I am. Those <laughs> bastards. Yeah. Um, well, I'm Richard Epcar, and uh, I'm a voice actor, director. I, uh, I've done, as I said earlier, I've done over 1,200 characters in games, animation, and anime. Uh, probably best known for uh, Raiden in Mortal Kombat, the Joker in Mortal Kombat, and uh, Injustice, Gods Among Us. Uh, I'm Jigen and Lupin the Third. I'm Akuma and Street Fighter. There he is right there. Uh, I'm uh, Ansem in Kingdom Hearts. That's a big one. People mm-hmm. love Kingdom Hearts. Uh, Joseph Joestar and JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, and uh, and many, many, many more. Um, I came out here, God, a long, long time ago. Uh, uh, fresh out of college, basically, I drove out here. I literally had $300 in my pocket. That was it. Mm. I sold, I sold my drum set and I came out to California to make, to make it big. And, uh, I, uh, I actually, uh, I did pretty well. I, uh, I did a lot of TV shows. I did some soaps. I did, uh, you know, a couple of movies. And then I, uh, um, I was dating this girl, Ellen Stern, who's my wife. We've been married for a long, long time. And uh, she kind of got me into all this stuff, actually. She was doing a movie. Uh, she had a part in a movie. And the people that were doing the movie had another movie that they were doing. And they didn't like the uh, the voices of the actors in it. So they wanted to replace their voices. So they asked her if she would come and audition for it. And she said, can I bring my boyfriend, who was me? So mm-hmm. I went in there. And the guy said, have you ever done this before? I said, oh, I've done it a million times. And I never did it before in my life. And, uh, you know, the, the fact that I'm, uh, I'm a drummer and an actor really helped with that because it's basically it was dubbing or looping and you have to, you know, have to hit the mouth flaps and there, there's a rhythm to it. Yeah. So I really kind of took to it like a duck to water. And from that, I got a bunch of other parts. And then from that, I got into a show called Robotech, which was one of the first animes that was on uh, network television and, mm-hmm. and became a huge hit. We recorded that at like two in the morning and we were all mm. going who's going to watch this thing? You know, we just thought, you know, no one's going to watch this thing. 
And to this day, I still have people coming up to me that are Robotech fans and they just love Robotech. But, uh, you know, uh, we didn't think anything of it. But from that, I got into Digimon. I got into, you know, all these other shows and uh, Naruto and Bleach and, uh, you know, just a ton of anime shows and just kept working. And then I got into the games and uh, I just started doing a ton of games. I've been in Final Fantasy. I've been in uh, Skyrim. I've been in just you know, hundreds and hundreds of titles. Um, and so uh, it's just it's just been an incredible uh, journey, actually, and I've really enjoyed it a lot. There's my buddy, Ansem. Uh, I've really enjoyed it. It's been it's been great, and uh, I, I direct a lot of stuff. I direct a lot of games and a lot of animation and a lot of uh, live action. We, My wife and I just did two uh, films for Netflix, uh, two uh, series, I mean, I'm sorry, and uh, they're on right now. One's called Glitch, which is a fun one uh, from Korea. And the other one is called uh, Forecasting uh, Love and Weather, which is another good one. And uh, I'm set to do another one on Monday. Um, so, um, you know, it just, it's been an incredible ride. I've been very fortunate. I got to direct uh, and adapt uh, several Academy Award-winning foreign films into English. I got to uh, be a international supervisor for DreamWorks and Universal Pictures and fly all over the world and supervise movies like Gladiator, uh, wow. um, uh, awesome. Galaxy Quest, uh, Chicken Run. Uh, um, uh, what's the other one we did? The big one uh, with the uh, Madagascar. I mean, it was just, uh, uh, it, was a, it was a ball and I had so much fun. I did that for a couple of years. And I literally was all over the globe and it was just, uh, it was a great gig. The problem with that one though, was it took me out of the voice acting. And I, when I came back, I kind of had to start all over again, but I, you know, it was a great experience and I just loved the travel. It was really fun. So to piggyback off of you, when you had said that it had took you out of voice acting and you had to start all over again, yeah. was it hard to get back into doing it? Like, because I know like right now in the voice acting world, it's so easy. We've heard from so many of our guests that it's so easy to, you know, get into it. And there are so many opportunities out there to get into. But, you know, when you got back into it, was it as easy getting back into or was no, it hard? No, it was very hard because all the stuff that I had done before I left, they'd replace me, you know. Right. Which, I mean, you know, who can blame them? I was gone. So, uh, you know, and 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 uh, when I came back, I, I basically, I mean, it wasn't like I had to start from scratch because people yeah. still knew who I was, but, uh, you know, it was, it was rough. It took me, uh, took me a good six months to a year to get, you know, back into the groove again. So, uh, it was a little, that was a little tough, but it, you know, it certainly was worth it. Uh, the opportunities I had, and the, like I say, the travel, I went all over the world. I made friends everywhere in the world and it was just, uh, it was a great, great time. And you know, uh, one of my favorite things about this job is that I get to travel so much, you know, to conventions and, uh, you know, we've been to Japan, we've been to Ireland, we've been to London, we've been to Australia, all over the United States, uh, my wife and I. And uh, so it just, uh, it makes it, uh, you know, a lot of fun for me because I, I really enjoy traveling. I enjoy going to new places and, see, you know, meeting new people. So. so that part's been great. Yeah, I totally feel you on that. I mean, like, that's something... Uh... I'm 33 years old. And when I turned 31, like that was the thing that I wanted to do. I just wanted to travel more because I'm a professional wrestler. And oh, wow. I've gone to what was that, sir? I said I didn't know that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hey, I say hey, that's why I like doing these interviews because it's just like just like we learn stuff about our guests, because I didn't know that you were a huge James Bond fan. It's like yeah. you didn't know I was a professional wrestler. Well, so since always... you're a wrestler, this this will give you a kick. I got to direct um uh SmackDown versus Raw. Oh, nice. which one? The first uh, one? Which one? It was uh, God, it was a while ago. I, I don't even remember. It was a while ago, but uh, we had a bus that we configured into a studio and we took it to all the different venues. Uh, you know, we would we would our team. I was a director and our team would fly sometimes to the venues and meet the bus there because sometimes the bus was on the road for a long time and we didn't right. want to you know be stuck on the bus. Although it was a very nice bus, but, uh, you know, we, 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 uh, I direct a lot of, uh, a lot of those guys. And, uh, I, my, one of the memories I have is a big show trying to, first of all, I was going, how's this guy going to fit on the bus? He's so huge. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm six foot six myself. He's a wow. foot taller than me. And, uh, and, uh, he was like, I don't know, four or 500 pounds. The guy is huge. So anyway, yeah. 
he comes on the bus and the first thing he says to me, he says, I could tear a man in half with my bare hands. And I said, most people say hello. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, he got in there and, you know, it was kind of funny because it it, it just happened with a lot of the wrestlers. They, they all said to me, how can I get into this voice business? I want to be a voice actor. You know, it was just kind of funny. Uh, but yeah, you know, some of those guys, and as you well know, uh, it's can be very taxing physically and, and it's very demanding. And, uh, a lot of those guys, oh my God, they they just you know they just they throw them on tacks, they break mm-hmm. uh, break tables on them and chairs on. Them. I mean, it's just it's crazy. So uh, anyway, uh, and I met I, I I directed John Cena who was great. I directed Batista who was great. I you know I had a lot of fun with all those guys. Um, and uh, and and sadly the I can't remember his name right now, but he was the guy who. He killed him. He killed his family and then killed oh, Chris himself. Benoit. Chris Benoit. Chris Benoit. Yeah. Which was really bizarre. And this happened just like a couple, two, three weeks after we had done the, the game. And what was weird about it was that he was such a nice guy when I directed mm-hmm. him. He seemed like a very gentle soul. And I mean, when I heard this, I was I was shocked. But, uh, you know, you never know what's going on. Even even as close as friends and family were just as shocked as you were. Yeah. So that's yeah. how out of, of the norm that whole situation was. Pretty crazy. Yeah. Well, it sounds like something, you know, he was on steroids or something messed with, with his head or something. I don't know. That was yeah, a there's shame. So, yeah. There's so many stories out CTE there. stuff. Yeah. And it's it's just I, I know everybody has their own opinions. And it's, it's wild because I want to say a few months ago, somebody had uh, – spark some controversy by talking about him and it's like yeah chris benoit did what he did but you have to think about his wife's family that still are traumatized by those events so it's just like people they always bring up chris benoit and you know the horrible thing that he did but it's just like they never bring up his wife nancy benoit who was also a popular wrestler you know back in the 90s and the 80s and it's, it's sad because it's just like whenever somebody brings up nancy benoit they never talk about her legacy that she left behind with wrestling. They only talk about, you know, her final days, unfortunately. So it's, it's like you said, it's just like you never know what's going through somebody's head. And like, that's why I'm somebody that is an advocate when it comes to mental health. And, you know, I always tell people, it's just like, you got to stay positive. If you need to talk to somebody, you know, me and Trav has been times, it's just like, I've been going through it. I reach out to Trav, Trav's there for me. And, you know, it's, it's good to reach out to people who you know that you can trust and depend on and like they're not gonna uh you don't feel like you're being judged because you're going through something right now you know yeah and i'm looking at uh, uh no I, I agree with you in fact i was gonna say to, to trav about uh you know it's it's frightening particularly when you have girls i have a daughter and a son my son's happily married and he has a little boy uh but my you know, my daughter isn't married yet and it, it's it's scary you hear these stories about these guys that get very possessive of mm-hmm. people and you know uh it's it's terrifying for for women i think in particular uh you know you know you want to end a relationship and then the guy just goes bonkers and you know doesn't want to end the relationship it's like you know uh people people get a little crazy yeah i 100% agree with you on that it's it's sad. It's sad how some people can be. I mean, like even uh, guys that uh, like if a girl says no to them, you know, yeah, it's yeah. like you know, there's so many women out there where it's just like they'll just say yes to a guy, give them their number because they just don't know like what's going to happen if they say no. It's I don't know, man. I just I feel like a lot of uh, a lot of dudes didn't get their their tails whooped by their parents when they were kids because my mom she stayed whooping me all the time. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and like that's how. I, that's how I became the man that I am today. So thanks, mom. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's crazy. I, when I was doing stand-up comedy, I had uh, mentioned, like, how much she used to whoop me. And she was in the crowd, and everybody was just laughing. I was like, man, don't y'all laugh too hard, because she might come up here on stage and whoop me right now. <laughs> and after the show, she was like, why do you tell all those people that I used to whoop you? I was like, because you... <laughs> I, I <lied." laughs> yeah, but you were, you were saying that she, you know, she gave you a sense of discipline, which was... Right. Yes which was good. And I think uh, that's sorely lacking in a lot of uh, kids today, unfortunately, but uh, you know, I, I, I'm not saying that about everyone. I mean, there, you know, but there is uh, there is some parents that just let their kids, you know, run crazy and don't, you know, toll them in a little bit. Uh, you I was know, say we see it in the group. We all been to the grocery store. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you need to discipline your child a little bit, you know, anyway, 
I saw Memoirs of Invisible Man up there. That was one of my all-time favorite uh, gigs that I had. I got to work with Sam Neill and Daryl Hannah and mm. uh, Stephen Tobolowsky, who's become a, a good friend since. And actually, my wife uh, wrote a sitcom called Life's a Bitch, which you can see on YouTube. If you go check it out, please uh, leave a nice comment or a comment if you like, and just like it. That would be that would help us. We're trying to get it made into a series, uh, nice. but it's called Life's a Bitch with Stephen Tobolowsky, Ellen Stern, and myself. And it's on YouTube. You can find it. Just put in Life's a Bitch, and you can put in Richard Epcar or Ellen Stern, and it'll come up. And there's two uh, teasers for for the show, and they're I, I think they're really cute and funny. And uh, my wife wrote them, and uh, we shot them. And so we, uh, we, we're hoping to, to do more with that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, member ours was a, was a really fun time. Had a great time working on that show. Yeah. <laughs> Got the two jokers there. I, that one, I just the joker, the joker on the right. I thought that I was going to lose my job because when that, when they had that guy, I said, that guy, I'm sorry. He looks like, <laughs> a, he doesn't look like the joker. He looks like a guy cosplaying the joker. I yeah. said that to the producers and they, you know, they were, I don't know if they were too happy about it, but they did. They, <laughs> they changed him back to more classic Joker later on. So I was really happy about that. And I love the Joker that they came up with uh, in Mortal Kombat 11. That Joker is probably my favorite Joker out of all the Jokers. And uh, and that they wrote some really great stuff for him. And I got to act with amazing, you know, Sylvester Stallone and uh, Peter Weller and, you know, people like that. It was just incredible to be able to uh, work with those guys. So. Really fun stuff. I just wanted to say, too, I'm going to make sure that I drop the link to uh, Life's a Bitch in the description. So that way, oh, thank uh, you. Yeah. When, when we put this video up on YouTube, people can click the link and, uh, and nice. watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we do, man. It's just like we like to support everybody. And send me here. send me a link and I'll, I'll promote your show as well. Hey, I, I, we, appreciate we appreciate that. that. And you know, it just, it just, it just for that. I mean, like I was going to mention it anyway, but we always give people breadsticks up here because let's like we're like the Olive Garden uh, podcast. <laughs> when you come up here leveling up with Benjamin Banks, your family, you know. That's right. Uh, I love that. That's great. Now you're making yeah. me hungry. You're making me hungry. <laughs> it's it's about yet. that time, you know, middle it's, of the it afternoon. It really is. Where are you? Where are you guys based out of? Virginia. Well, we're from Virginia. Yeah. Oh, Virginia. Okay. Yeah, I had saw that you were, I think it was uh, KatsuCon last, no, it was this year. Yeah. And when I had saw that you were going to be there, I was really excited. But I, like, everybody just seemed to have gotten COVID at the start of this year. Oh, God, and yeah. and I remember, I was just like, man, I'm not trying to go to any con right now. So, I mean, I know we were talking about yeah. cons uh, at the earlier, at the start of the interview, but um, like, how was it, you know, getting back into the con scene, you know, after the pandemic? Well, still, I mean, we're still in the pandemic, but like, how was it getting back into it? Um, you know, it was really great. I, I just, I missed, I missed uh, meeting with the fans and everything. And I just, uh, you know, it's just, they, it's just a wonderful experience. You know, they really have fun. I really have fun. Uh, my wife really has fun. Uh, we, we, we really enjoyed a lot, uh, you know, aside from, uh, the travel, which is nice, uh, but to meet with the with the fans that really enjoy the mm -hmm. work that we do, because you know you have to remember a lot of the stuff we do, we're in dark booths all day, and we don't really right. talk to anybody, we don't meet anybody. So when you go to these conventions and they really uh, you know love what it is you do and uh, are really you know effusive about your work, it really makes you feel good. So uh, I I really love getting back. We you know every con I've been to uh, since they started reopening everybody wears masks and uh now ellen and i did go to to a convention in canada toronto and we did get covid there but that was uh, right. not from that was not from the convention that was from uh, right before we left we were exposed and we didn't realize it um but anyway uh that was horrible we uh we got to do a day or so and then we just were basically locked down in our in our our room at the hotel and we were miserable and it was the terror the hotel was terrible and they had terrible food and they didn't have mm -hmm. you know room service or anything like that so you we had i had to go out and i you know you, you feel like crap you know you're you know it's just like uh really bad even though we we were vaccinated we still uh still did not feel good and uh 
you know, and there was a bunch of uh, terrible, and my wife's a vegan, which makes life really difficult. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, really difficult. Wherever we go, it's just hard for her to find anything to eat. And it drives me insane, to be honest with you. But uh, uh, anyway, uh, you know, I keep saying to her, you know, the cow ate grass. That's a vegetarian. Maybe you could try to <laughs> yeah. have a steak, you know, but she, she won't do it. So anyway, uh, we uh, we came back and we made an agreement with this was uh, uh, Anime North, and we're mm. going to be coming back again this year because we you know a lot of the fans were disappointed they didn't really get to see us we didn't really right. get to do any of our panels so we're going to come back uh, this uh, coming uh, year and we'll be back there uh, and hopefully we have uh, you know I wish I could uh, promote some conventions we have a. a, a a possible convention in New Jersey we're going to be doing. I'm trying to think of where else we might be going. Um, it's been, it's been kind of weird. I mean, everything's, uh, everything's kind of dropped, you know, uh, as far as uh, because of COVID and it kind of screwed everything up. But uh, I got to tell you, the work has been insane and we're just working like crazy. So it didn't seem to bother that. And during COVID we, we did, uh, we have a booth in our house and uh, I'm in my office and I'm pointing at the booths over there, but uh I did a lot of recording for games and animation and dubbing and uh, and directing. We both directed from the house remotely. And uh, so we did a lot of work during COVID and, uh, you know, we're continuing to do so. So nice. Nice. No, that's that's you literally brought up. My question was, ha have you converted over to doing, you know, building the booth in your house and just kind of yeah. switching over there versus traveling to the studios? Yeah. Well, you know, honestly, I still like to go to the studio. I like the socializing at mm -hmm. the studio. I like to be with people. Uh, this is your, your, I mean, you're, you're, you hear the people in your headphone and all that. And it's, you know, and it's, and it's not terrible, but I, I prefer to go there because, you know, when you do it at home, you're not only the actor, but you're the engineer, you're the, you know, you have to edit it. You have to do all this stuff for them, you know, and, uh, you know, just you wind up being, uh, you know, worrying about a lot of things that if I go to a studio, I don't have to worry about. I could just be the actor and do my performance and not worry about all that other stuff. So I, I always prefer to go to the studio. And uh, and I've been, you know, I've been going to a lot of studios lately. So I'm directing a new project on Monday. I'm starting a new uh, series uh, that I'm directing and uh, I'll be going to the studio every day, you know, I could be, could, I could be at home and doing it remotely, but I would much rather go there and do it. Yeah. That's a, it's interesting because I mean, we hear that from a lot of voice actors where it's like some people, they prefer to just stay at home because like they literally can just go into the booth in their pajamas and then get right to work. Whereas like you were just saying, you know, going to the studio, it's like you get to interact with people because yeah. I know when the pandemic had first started and people were working from home, it's like sometimes it's like you need to have, uh, you know, like that. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, like something activity, the social activity, like where you actually around like other people and whatnot. Yeah. Social interaction. Social interaction. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes you need that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You absolutely do. I, and I think honestly, you know, there was a big wave of people getting depressed during this, this yeah. uh, COVID because everybody was isolated, you know, and nobody saw anybody and everyone was hiding in the house, you know? So this thing is terrible. And I, you know, I, I, I worry for our children. I really do. It just, it seems like things are getting worse and worse all the time. I, I you know, I don't mean to be pessimistic about that, but uh, you know, I hope we can turn this whole thing around. You know, I mean, there's, it's everything, uh, you know, from, from the, the politicians to our country, everything is just really kind of on a weird negative uh, bent. And I just hope we can uh, get this, this train back on, tr on its tracks, you know, so well, that's D, why D, if, bank, if D was here and you mentioned train, I gotta put on my JoJo hat. <laughs> Even go. though it, it's part four Jotaro, but when it doesn't have the symbols up there, I look like a train conductor. So I'm putting it on. <laughs> I was gonna oh say, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> that's why I limit my kids' technology time. Be and get them outside, man. Because yeah, yeah, outside playing, you know, versus just being on the you you don't you know how to socially interact online, but then you get around people and you're awkward. You, yeah, you're uncomfortable. Yeah. You don't know how to interact with people face to face. And that's why, you know, I just pretty much during the weekday, like they're not allowed on their phones for real. Good. And then, 
only X amount of hours during the weekend because they need to get outside and play and interact with, you know, their friends. I see, I see people at restaurants, you know, with the kids and the kids are all, everyone's on their phone and they're all texting, you know, they're texting people or they're just not present, you know? And I just, uh, I don't know. I think they should just, uh, particularly dinner time, put the phone. I was going to say, we're still a no phones at the dinner table kind of people. Good for you. No phones at the dinner table. Yeah. I remember, uh, I was dating this girl and whenever we would go out for dinner, she used to always be on her phone, like when we were hanging out and whatnot. And I remember one time I was just like, Hey, give me your phone. And she was like, what are you going to do with it? I said, I'm leaving both of our phones in the car because it's like, I actually want to talk to you while we're at the dinner table. Good. And like, she got an attitude, but she did do it. Right? Mm-hmm. It's just, I just feel like, you know, you need that social interaction. It's just like, yeah, you can always be on your phone and, you know, all of this stuff that's going on on social media can wait. It's going to be there, up there. Yeah, everybody's addicted to their phones. It's really bizarre. You know, you don't want to miss it. I'm guilty myself. I, you oh, know. yeah. But you're a busy person, though. So, I mean, yes. I understand. It's like, you know, I mean, I mean, Trav knows. I mean, there's times where we're watching wrestling and I'm just sitting there on my phone. And I'm like, I'm like, Trav, like I'm interviewing these guests, man. I'm trying to line up guests for us and whatnot. Yeah. And it's, uh, I mean, it's just the way that the world is sometimes. But, uh, you know, I wanted to piggyback and go back. To, you know what you had said at the start of the interview about you being a drummer yeah. so I want to know like you know if you hadn't gotten into voice acting and acting like what were you hoping to do uh, for music career um you know drumming I've always loved drumming um but I don't know that I would become a professional drummer um my son is a professional drummer he's very successful he's a Broadway drummer He's played, he's played uh, studio gigs with Rihanna, Justin Timberlake, John Legend. He's, uh, he's been on Seth Meyers several times. He's been on the tonight show, wow, crazy. John, John Epcar. And he, uh, he was with a band called Carney and, uh, they were unbelievable. And they, uh, they opened for you two in, uh, in Canada. And, uh, um, anyway, uh, he, he's done very well with his drumming and he became a drummer because of me. And, uh, nice. I, I would never advise him to do that. In fact, I tried to advise him out of it because I know it's a very, very difficult, uh, thing, but he's actually made a go of it and he's doing really well. So, uh, I'm really proud of him and really happy for him. And, uh, you know, I would listen, I would love to do that. Drumming to me has always been kind of my therapy. I just enjoy it. I've uh, always uh, had a band. I don't, at present, but I've always been in a band. Uh, and uh, I was in a band called the LA River Band, and we played around town, and we played at a bunch of places uh, around town, and it was really fun. And, and you know, we didn't uh, really make much money doing it, to be honest with you, but uh, it was, like I say, it was my therapy, and I got to play drums and sing, and and it was really, really fun for me to do that. So I really enjoyed that. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm uh, you know, maybe when the smoke clears a little bit from this COVID crap, maybe we can uh, get Get, get, get the, the band, band back, back together. together. Get the yeah. old band back together. Get yeah. the old band, yeah. So, old band. What, what were you jamming back then versus some of the newer stuff you're listening to now? Are you listening to anything new now? Well, you know, honestly, our band, the bands that I always play in, we, we're basically 60s bands. We play 60s and 70s right. music. That's basically what we've been playing. Uh, I was in another band briefly. Uh, I, I hated the name of the band, so I think I've got a mental block against it. I can't remember, but uh, it was such a stupid name. Um, it was like, you know, the Cow Pies or something ridiculous. I, I don't <laughs> remember what the hell it was. But but see, it sounds ridiculous until the band blows up, because yeah. I think all the biggest rock bands, when you really break down the name, then the Beatles, kind of Kiss. Yeah metallica yeah. what does that even mean you know what i mean yeah. so but then you hit that level of success and you're like this is a cool band you know uh-huh. and, well that's some truth to that uh but anyway uh we we played uh we played a little more 80s stuff in that band and that was that was fun but uh you know i i i just love the music of the 60s i love classic rock that was the stuff i grew up with and i just it's really fun for me to play that kind of stuff uh so you know uh we like we play that kind of stuff and people seem to really really enjoy it so that that was a lot of fun yeah they they changed kind of the name of that to like i don't know if you know this but they call a lot of those bands like boat rock now chicago sticks boat rock, Eagles. Boat rock. 
Yeah, it's called boat rock. You know, yacht. Oh, I'm sorry, yacht rock, not boat rock. Yacht rock. Why is it yacht rock? Yeah, why? I I think it's just because it's music that's mostly listened to by an older generation who own yachts now. I don't know. (laughs) So, Trav, are you telling me? Are you telling me that? uh, that the yacht rock is what would have been playing on the Titanic when it was sinking. <laughs> I don't no think more. so. I don't, that was like a 19, <laughs> 1912, I believe the Titanic yeah. sank. So. But because the classic station here, they're now playing like Nirvana and yeah, you know, they are stained and stuff. Well, I love Nirvana. I really love their stuff. I think Nirvana was a great band. I was, you know, I'm sorry committed suicide. Another, another unhappy guy that, uh, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. sad. You see, you see these guys that are just incredibly successful, Robin Williams, uh, Anthony yeah. Bourdain, uh, you know, the guy from Nirvana, uh, just, uh, you know, Darrington from yeah. uh, Lincoln Park. It's just sad. You're going, you know, they're, they're doing well, they're being successful and yet they're just so unhappy that they don't want to live anymore. And you're just going, God, I, you know, I just, uh, anyone who's listening to this, I hope if you do feel that, that sense of uh, sadness. I hope you'll try to get some help and not hurt yourself. And, you know, uh, because that decision you make, it, it's, it lasts for eternity. Whereas, uh, you know, the problem you may have may go away after a while. So, uh, you know, I, I, I implore you to, to please uh, seek help mm-hmm. for that. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, phone numbers you can call to get help and, and uh, you know, uh, I just think we really need to, to, to focus more on that because it's, you know, there's no, no need for anyone to feel like they have to kill themselves. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, especially when, you know, we're talking about people with families, children, yeah. Yeah. The, the, the snowball effect is we, you know, cause we like to snowball yeah. on this podcast, the snowball effect that that causes for so many people is, you know, in, insane. It's yeah. devastating. And yeah, that's it's devastating. The thing. The thing that they they don't realize is it's not just you you're ending your life, but you're you're hurting people around you, people that love you, people that care about you, and uh, you know I think that uh, it, it's not fair you know to do that, and uh, you know and it, there's no problem that you can't uh, you know surmount. So yeah, I agree, man, and it's you know I know that. Uh, we're Wait, talking we, about we this. went off on a dark tangent. No, but we? this is what we do what up happens? here. This is what ha- this is what we do <laughs> up talking here. About people killing themselves, and people mm-hmm. kill their family. It's like, what the hell kind of podcast is this? But no, <laughs> but that's that's what we do up here. And you know, since we're talking about it, um, you know, like I me and Trav, how we became friends, we were friends on uh Facebook, and like I was in a dark spot, like it was very dark at this time, and I remember. Like Trav used to always invite me over to his house. He's like, come on over and all this stuff. And I remember, man, like I there were days where it's just like I was just ready to end it all. You know, like that's oh. the reason why I got this tattoo uh, of hope on me, because I never gave up. But it's just Good. like I say, it's like sometimes it's like you just need that one person to show you that they care about you. Yeah. And like that's all that it takes, man. And you know, I, that, I'm, that's why I said earlier, like, I'm an advocate when, when it comes to, like, mental health and, like, always, you know, speaking positive things into existence. Because when you speak negatively all the time, then, like, that's the mindset that you're going to always have. But if you speak positive and, you know, you surround yourself with people that are trying to do, you know, better things with their life and whatnot, it really helps you in the long run. Yeah. And I think just people being kinder in general. We, we're, in, we're in such a... Uh... Uh, thing right now uh, you know in this country where everybody hates everybody and everyone's mm-hmm. mean to everybody and if you don't agree with me you should die you know and it's just like we need to like lighten up on this crap and uh you know and just be a little kinder of everybody and you know everybody has a right to their opinion and uh you know you just have to be we have to be a little more uh understanding i think and compassionate and then and carry so, gun and- like jegan and shoot everybody <laughs> <laughs> have empathy for others um yes empathy That's yeah exactly right and there's i you know there's uh, people out there that have no empathy you know so if d was here d he always loves to ask our guests what is some advice that you would give to anybody that would love to get into voice acting uh go to medical school <laughs> <laughs> where where is d by the way what happened to d 
He's uh, so he's still at work right now. He literally just called my phone and uh, I was just like, yeah, I mean, do you want to join us? Uh, you know, you don't have to be on video. You can do audio. And he was just like, he said, nah, you and Trav got it. Mm -hmm. I was like, All right. <laughs> I will tell D I'm very disappointed that he wasn't here for the show and that, uh, you know, I just think it was a, it's a real slap in the face. You can, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, you know, honestly, uh, you know, the best advice I can give anyone to do this kind of work is just to become the best actor you can be, you know, uh, audition for plays, take classes, do, do whatever you can to become the best actor. Cause it's a very competitive business. Um, a lot of people have difficulty, you know, reading out loud and mm -hmm. they want to be in this business. Well, that's not going to work. So you have to just, uh, my advice to those people read out loud every day, you know, 10 minutes a go. day, 15 minutes a day, pick something and just read it out loud. Just keep reading and reading because when you do that, you become very, very good at it. And then it's, uh, when you're, when you're thrown in that booth for an audition and you suck, they're not going to invite you back. So you want to be, you want to be competitive when, when you're starting out. And the best way to do that is just be, become a really good actor and, and be able to read that stuff because we don't get to see the scripts before we go in the booths. We have to mm. cold read a performance. So basically they throw us in there. We have to bring that script to life, you know, without knowing much about it. And we have a director who hopefully helps us and, and all that, but there are some not so great directors out there also so you have to jump in with both feet make decisions and and just bring that character to life any way you can so uh you know uh it can be a great career it really is i've been very very fortunate i've uh you know i work constantly i work more than i want to sometimes and uh you know it's uh it's getting to the point where i think i'm going to start turning stuff down uh, more so because i just uh you know, I'm at the point where I just, I want to do things that I really enjoy that I want mm -hmm. to do. And I don't want to do things that I, I don't care about so much. You know what I mean? I totally understand uh, that. Also, when you've been doing it 40 years, you know, not to age you, I, yeah. you earn that right to, you know, yeah. pick and choose I would different so. things instead at of chasing At this point, the I would hope so. <laughs> right. <laughs> I do want to ask you though, real quick, you know, just kind of for shits and giggles Yeah. is, you know, we see the 007 posters. I'm a huge 007 fan. Oh, cool. um, you know, me, it's something me my, and Banks don't really talk about. So there it is. Bond watch on. <laughs> hey. I just got this back from the factory. They totally redid it for me. I love it. It's, it's got it's all the Omega. gadgets in it. Well, yeah, I wish it's okay. It, I you wish gotta it, tell us. I wish it had the, uh, you know, the, the, the thing, the infrared burner. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, like, this is the actual watch that uh, Pierce wore in Goldeneye. So this is, nice. uh, I was going to ask, he, is that your favorite? I was Sean like, Connery or Pierce? <laughs> uh, my favorite Bond is Sean Connery. Sean without Connery. A, without a Rest doubt. Rest in peace. He, he is the gold standard as far as I'm concerned. Uh, he was the original and he's the best. And, uh, you know, I, 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 was, I just did a, a podcast yesterday with a guy. We were talking about Bond. He, he wanted me on the show because he knows what a, what a Bond nut I am. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, uh, the, those shows, well... He, when I was, uh, when I was 15, I lost my mom and I was very sad. And uh, my young. sister took me to see Goldfinger mm -hmm. and that just, I just love that movie so much. And I totally fell in love with the Bond thing. And I fell in love with Sean Connery. I fell in love with the whole thing. It was just so great. But the thing that I was, what I was talking about with him was there was something really magical about those, those movies with Sean. It was like, you know, of course that was before I was, you know, I was young and it was before I did a lot of traveling throughout the world, but uh, there was something magical. And, you know, you, even those places, they would have meetings and they were like these big museums and stuff. They would have meetings. It was just incredible. And, and the music, John Barry's music was just so lush and incredible. And uh, I just, I loved it so much. And I, you know, I'm, I'm still a huge Bond fan. I love all of the actors who have played James mm -hmm. Bond. They've all brought something interesting and unique to it. But I really feel like Sean is is the guy who really nailed it and was just, you know, Bond. He was James Bond. And, I, I can uh, see that because for me, you know, Daniel Craig is like my Bond because yeah. coming out in 06 and I'm 15 years old or whatever, that's the only Bond that's been around really in my life. Like yeah. the Pierce Brosnan movies, I was seven, eight years old, you know, when they came out. But right. I've just always been real partial to Roger Moore. Um, yeah. Octopussy is my I favorite. Love Roger Moore. Yeah. 
favorite. I love all of his Bond movies, like all of them. I, Man with a Golden Gun, Octopussy, A, a View to Kill. Like I, I love Roger Moore. My two favorite Moors are uh, The Spy Who Loved Me and uh, uh, For Your Eyes Only. Those are mm-hmm. my two favorite Moore Bonds because I felt they were more serious. I, I felt like with with Roger and with Pierce, they got a little cartoony with the stuff at times. And uh, Oh, yeah. Sure. I like when they keep it a little more real and gritty. And that's why I like I did like Daniel Craig. I thought he was a, a great Bond and uh, he was really tough and gritty and very believable, uh, you know, in the action and uh, – you know, he here was a guy you knew he could he could handle himself and and mm-hmm. take care of uh, the bad guy. So uh, he was great. I I I loved it too. I I don't know why he was such in such a hurry to get out of this, <laughs> but I think <laughs> I think at this point he you know I think he realized he was getting a little long in the tooth. I was gonna say you character. know it's fifteen years of doing the role you know kind of. Yeah. Well, look at look at Roger Moore. He did uh, right. eight of them, and uh, yeah. The last one, he looked like a Grandpa McGee, so that was kind of scary. <laughs> yeah. you know? Well, I think people forget too that Pierce Brosnan did four of them. You know, yeah, they were just they four, came yeah. out so quickly. Yeah. Versus mm-hmm. Daniel Craig's, where he had five, yeah. but it's over the span of fifteen years or whatever. That's true. Yeah. I have a funny story about Pierce. I was in uh, Kauai with my family. It was uh, my wife and my anniversary, and we brought the kids out. And we were at this table at this restaurant. My son ordered a bottle of wine, and uh, so he ordered a red bottle of wine. So she's pouring me the wine, and I I ordered fish, and because I, I ordered it before he ordered the wine. I, I, so anyway, she's pouring the red wine. I have a, a plate of fish in front of me, and I said uh, I said to the waitress, "Don't tell James Bond I'm drinking red wine <laughs> with fish." And literally, as soon as I said that, Pierce Brosnan walked in the restaurant. That's amazing. And he walked by the table, and we made eye contact, and I raised my glass to him, and he smiled at me and winked at me. So, you know, he just seems like a super, super nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. That was my favorite bond. You know, to say what you were saying, Mr. Apcar, about the, you know, the realism with the bonds. I always felt like he was more of a superhero, James Bond. Yeah, he is. He's the original superhero. Right. Yeah. Yeah, he really is. He was before all the Marvel and all that, you know, all that stuff. He really was a, but you know, I I like it when it's more grounded in reality. I I find it more interesting because you know all that stuff, the espionage stuff. I think that's really interesting. You Absolutely. Know? You don't have to make it fantastical all the time. You know. Well, I love spy movies. Yeah, me too. I do too. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen one in a, in a minute though. But oh, yeah, three five five came out earlier this year. Is on with, with all the girls. Oh, I'll have to check that out. Drop, hey, drop, uh, drop me a message, Travis. So yeah, it's got Bryce Dallas Howard in it. Um, I know that. Couple people. I'm drawing a blank on, but yeah, you know, it's just kind of collage of women that all work for a different country, and they all come together to fight like the the big government that's hiding in the shadows type thing. Uh, I mean, it's a really good, you know, espionage kind of movie. AKA Putin. <laughs> So, uh, Mr. Epcar, you yes, know, I know that, uh, you know, we're sort of a different podcast. I mean, you know, we could have spent the entire thing talking about, you know, every role that you've been in. <laughs> There's only one role that I want to talk all, about. Trav already knows what it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. And, um, you know, it's one thing that I always say, like, one of my biggest things was to uh, get all of the cast from part four of JoJo up here because that's my favorite part. And we've done a pretty good job at getting almost like most of the cast that was in part four. But um, it's awesome to have you up here and join us. But I want to ask you, like, what are your thoughts on the series so far? Like, did you expect for JoJo's Bizarre Adventure to be this uh, huge animated it was going to be? Um, I, I have to tell you, I, I absolutely love Joseph Joestar. We, we, God, it was so many years ago we did... Uh, a couple of trial uh, episodes and they had everybody do an English accent uh, for some reason. And I'm not really sure why they did that, but then they decided, thank God, they decided not to have everybody do an English accent. Not that I can't do an English accent, but it just, it, it just made the whole thing more difficult, right. I think to do. Um, but uh, I just, I love the character. He, he's a, he's a really good fit for me, you know? Um, and I, you know, it's a lot of screaming. There he is. He's just always screaming, you know. <laughs> uh, but uh, he's just—he's just a really fun character. I can totally relate to him. I think the older I get, I look more and more like him. It's just kind of scary. 
Um, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I loved it. And I, there was the thing, you know, I do a lot of these shows and the thing I really liked about Jojo's Bizarre Adventure was every episode they would paint themselves into a corner and that you're going, how are they going to get out of this? And I just thought that was really well done in that show. And they somehow managed to get out of it every show. And I watched every episode and I don't do that because I don't, first of all, I don't have time to do that. Right. But second of all, I'm generally not that interested to be honest with you, but this, <laughs> this particular show, I just, it was, I would watch this stuff and I just go, this is insane. And then the thing with, when the thing got in his arm, remember that? Oh my God, that was so gross. The, yeah. the, the thing got in his arm and he had, oh. so that was, I, I, I had to watch the show and it was, it was equal parts of uh, creepy and thriller and action and uh, humor. And it just, I, I just think the show was wonderful. Now, my gripe about that show is that like Lupin the third, we've been doing that for God, 20, 30 years. Yep. And I, I started the original, I directed the red jacket series and I put that cast together, which wow. is the, uh, the uh, actual cast that now the official cast of mm -hmm. Lupin the third. And I was told that our cast actually is more popular than the Japanese cast. So <laughs> I, mean, I mean, all of y'all are iconic. It's a great show. Like when I found out that the movie was coming out in theaters, uh, yep. uh, Lupin the First. Yeah. Like, hey, I, I was there. I think, Trav, didn't we have like a, a podcast recording? And I was like, hey, bro, Lupin the Third is only going to be in theater for one day. Yeah, for that and weekend. Not, for that weekend. Yeah, for that weekend. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so bummed I didn't get to see it in the theater. And I actually wrote the adaptation for the, the movie. And nice. uh, I, uh, but I was so glad they used our guys because mm -hmm. uh, they could have, they could have gone another way. And every time something like that happens, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's always scary. And there's been a lot of times where there's been new series and they've made us all re-audition for our parts, if you can right. that. So it kind of sucks, but, uh, but they really, we really are now pretty much uh, ensconced as the Lupin cast. Um but my point was this, I'm Jigen. I've been playing Jigen for, you know, 20, 30 years with Jojo. They had one great season with him and then, uh, then they aged him 30 years. And it's like, why do that? Why not just have the character go through and cause he's a great character. You know, I love that character and I just wish they would have done another season or two or whatever with that character. Cause he's just great. So I was I was a little uh, disappointed about that, that that when I had to come back, he was like old and doddering and he was just yeah. like, you know, feeble. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't want to see him like that. I wanted him <laughs> when he was, you know, hardy and strong, you know, and we'll talk to Rocky about it. We'll we'll get it sorted yeah. out. All right. Good. Good. <laughs> yeah, because I mean. Tell them to That's do a, not, you know, a, a, a prequel or, you know, retroactive thing. That's right. Yeah, they should do something. I mean, I know that uh, you had got a lot of love when uh, his birthday just passed recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now he's great. He's a he's a really really wonderful character. I like him a lot. And any, you know, the, the he has his faults. You know, he makes mistakes. He screws up. He don't let him fly a plane. You know, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know he uh, it was it was he was a great character, and I I really love playing him a lot. Yeah. Okay. So one final JoJo question, and I'll pass the ball to Trav. If you could have your very own stand, what stand would it be? Well, I love uh, Helmet Purple, of course. You know, although Jojo has a pretty uh, rocking stand too. You know, his stand's pretty tough. Okay. Well, now I wanted to piggyback off the, something that you had mentioned with the Lupin movie, because, you know, recently uh, you had the Super Mario stuff happen and, yeah. uh, you know, Charles Martinet, he was replaced by Chris Pratt in the movie. I just want to know, like, what are your thoughts on voice actors that have been voicing a character for so long and then when a, a movie gets announced the person that was voicing that character doesn't get considered or for that role because as i know tara strong she's been uh very vocal on him not being super mario in that movie well i i agree with tara um i, I listen it hurts you know uh and i think i think the fans appreciate it when you use the original voices it's like they did an animated uh, thing of uh, Mortal Kombat and they didn't use me as Raiden. Mm -hmm. And a lot mm. of the fans did not like that. You know, they said, uh, there he is. That was magical. The way we said, he just came I told up. you this, the TV has a mind of its own. It's yeah, a bizarre really. TV. <laughs> I just said Raiden and he just came up. Um, but, uh, 
I just think it sucks to be honest with you. And I, I think these producers have this thing in their head that they have to get these, uh, you know, these very expensive movie stars to do the voices. And, you know, and I hate to say it, but most of the time those guys suck. They're just not voice actors and they, you know, it's a different, it's a different medium. And I think that if you're used to hearing somebody do something, you know, you want to hear that voice. It makes it more of that character. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I was so delighted that they used, because they were, they were talking about using an all-star cast for the Lupin movie, which would have, you know, would have, I would have hated that, but you know, you have no control over that stuff. So I, uh, I, you know, nothing against Chris Pratt. I, I love Chris Pratt. He's great. But, uh, I just think that, uh, I'm sure the fans would have preferred to hear, uh, Charles. And I think that, uh, I think it sucks, you know, the same thing happened with uh, the Transformer movies. You know, they didn't want to uh-huh. use uh, Peter Cullen, you know, as yeah. Optimus Prime. And you know what? He's he's like the best thing in that movie. Yeah. You know, and he sounds like Optimus Prime and he mm-hmm. does a great job. And, you know, it's funny. I bumped into him at a convention. I said, I was so glad they cast you in the movie. He said, you're glad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, but it's uh, it's it just. I just think they're, you know, they're just, uh, you know, sometimes the, the clients and the, the producers, they just, uh, you know, they, they, they think that if they put in a, a movie star, it's going to make the movie, you know, blow up. But the thing is, these these characters are, all, are already established and these the fans already know the voices. So I, I just, I think it's a, a dumb thing. And uh, like I say, I'm so glad they didn't do that to us on the Lupin movie because they were talking about doing that. And uh I kind of fought for us to get that, to get that movie and uh, it worked out, but it could have gone the other way, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that's good. Yeah. It would have been weird. Watching it would have been weird. And you know, it's like Chris Pratt. He doesn't sound anything like Mario. I saw a clip of it. It's just like, he's just using his regular voice. And that's the yeah. thing with movie stars. They just basically, they're just doing their own voice. They don't become a character because they're hiring them because they're, they're, they're a known commodity. So they want them to use their regular voice, whether it's that character or not. And I think that's wrong. That's the good yeah. thing about voice actors. Voice actors become the characters that are portraying, you know? So anyway, I, I feel bad for Charles. I think it's, it's shitty and, uh, uh, you know, fie on those producers that came up with that. I was going to say, I, th- I do think the studio think that name value is going to get more people to see a movie when it comes to an animation. And yeah. I don't think it does 0%. Like no. it doesn't matter who is voicing in the animation. We care about the animation. We care about the story and that's yeah, it. And if it's good and they do, a good if it's job, good, you know, it's good. It's like, you know, there's so many of these kids uh, animated movies and it's like, you think the kid cares that. Exactly. You know, that is what I always is, say. They don't give a crap. They don't, you know, they just there to enjoy the movie. I just think it's, you know, uh, I think DreamWorks started this whole thing. We'll blame them, but you know, it's, they just got into this <laughs> thing where they had to have, you know, movie stars do all these characters. I just don't think it's necessary. That damn Shrek. <laughs> So we'll roll into these fan questions real quick. Uh, this first one comes from Our Boy, the Land Osprey. Odd Boy, huh? It comes from Odd Boy. No, the Land Ward Spray. Oh, is that how you say it, Banks? Yes, the Land Ward Wardo Spray. Because I mean, I don't call him this. You know, this is his internet name, but I don't. I don't even know what that means. I don't want to say his name on here and him get. You know, I don't want my name on there, but. He says, ask him about his journey with Kingdom Hearts and if there's any future voiceovers he'll be doing in the series. Uh, I hope so. I don't know, to be honest with you. Um, uh, you know, that's a, that's a, that's kind of a fun thing, too. Uh, the way I got the role for Ansem, now, I've had, as I said, I've done over 1,200 characters. Mm-hmm. I've had to audition for pretty much every one of them. I may be a handful of jobs I was hired without auditioning, and Kingdom Hearts was one of them. And the reason it was is because Billy Zane did the first one, and for right. whatever reason, they didn't want him back for the second one, or he didn't want to come back, whatever the reason was. Uh, the guy who does the voice of Ansem in Kingdom Hearts in Japan does the voice of Bateau in Ghost in the Shell. So the Japanese producers asked the Disney people, who does the voice of Bateau in America? And they said, Richard Epcar. So they just hired me to do the voice, which was wonderful. So uh, uh, anyway, um, I got the part because of that. And... Uh, there's a funny story when i went in there there was uh six uh japanese producers and six uh disney producers in the booth 
And I would do a line and the engineer would come on the talk back and go just a minute. And they would talk among themselves for five minutes. They come back mm -hmm. and say, can you do that a little slower? So I did the line a little slower and they go just a minute. And they would talk amongst themselves <laughs> for five or 10 minutes. Can you do that a little faster? And this like went on all day long. And then finally we had a break and I took the engineer aside. I said, how did Christopher Lee put up with that? I said, they did it to him once. And he said, all right, I'm going to tell you how we're going to do this. I'm going <laughs> to read this script from the top to the bottom. And then I'm going home. I thought that was, you know, great. But he, of course, he's Christopher Lee. Uh, it's Christopher Lee. You do whatever he wants. That's right. Rest so anyway, to answer that question, a long, a long answer. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm still a Terrazian Ort, as we know, Ansem kind of disappeared. So we don't know if he'll mm -hmm. be back. Maybe he'll be back in flashbacks. Who knows? I don't know. I would love it if he if he could. And uh, what, the last fan question is uh, from Blue Baron. They want to know... Uh, how was it like to work on the anime dub of Speed Racer X as the character name Rex Racer, please? And what were your thoughts on them not finishing the whole thing? <laughs> um, I, I really enjoyed it. He was a really fun character. He was a character that I saw when I was a kid growing mm -hmm. up. So it was really fun for me to play that character. And I've done a few of things like, you know, there was a show called Giganter, which I got to write for. And uh, a few of these shows that I grew up watching when I was a kid that I actually got to work on. And uh, so that was really neat. Um, I love playing uh, Racer X. He's a cool character. Awesome. Okay. All right. So, yeah. So, I mean, we're here at the end of the interview now. Thank you so much. That's Mr. it. We have questions. That was, that was it. Well, I mean, hey, we know that you, we... Some uh, of them already got answered as we were yeah, talking, exactly. you know, so yeah. they kind of get... <laughs> yeah and then plus right. you know you have to go and you know we don't want to hold you up any longer but uh, i appreciate that we really appreciate you joining us um and can you let everybody in social media land know where they can find you at? please follow me on instagram i really would like it if you would follow me on instagram it's just richard epcar on instagram please follow me i would love it that's where i post a lot of my stuff i'm also on facebook and twitter um and uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. I don't know if there's anybody who follows. Hey, I'm on LinkedIn. <laughs> well, I'm on LinkedIn also. Um, but but Instagram is the one that I really care about. Uh, I also have a, a, a website, richardepcar.com. For anyone who wants to uh, get an autographed picture, you can go to richardepcar.com. And for anyone who wants a personal, uh, you know, uh, personalized video of me uh, for a birthday or uh, whatever, anniversary, uh, go to Cameo, and uh, it's Richard Epcar Cameo, and you can find me there. Um, and that's basically it. Awesome. Try There it is. There it is. Another fun interview for the Great Turkey War. And uh, man, he, man. Was, he was an awesome guy. Oh, absolutely. Joseph Joestar. You learn, you, and again, you don't, you know him for all the voices, but you don't know all this behind-the-scenes stuff that he was doing. I don't. I wasn't privy to how much involved in Lupin that he was. I didn't know. Yeah. I just thought, yeah, he voices a character, like he voices twelve other characters. I mean, yeah. twelve hundred other characters. But nah, this man's like you know, he he's a big part of the animation dub over here. So exactly, man. You just never know. You know, big 007 fan. I'm glad we got to talk James Bond. And you, you know, got to talk about uh, sometimes you got to put stuff. on that conductor hat and conduct. And I mean, that's just what it is. No, but I mean, like, bro, it's like, you know, we talked about the mental health stuff and all mm -hmm. of that, man. It's just that, you know, that's why I love the format that we have for our interviews because it's like I told him we could have easily like tried to talk about every single role that he did. And that's one thing that I hear from a lot of our guests that we have up here and a lot of people that listen to us is that they appreciate that we like do these deep dives because I didn't know that, you know, he had a drum set and like this is what led to him getting into voice acting and acting and whatnot. And so it's the things like that that I want to know about our guests. You Absolutely. know, like what what did you want to be when you were eight years old? And stuff? Like I just heard uh uh, Chris Van Vliet say that in an interview. He wants to ask people, like, what did you want to be when you were eight years old? Because that's like, a lot of people don't know what they wanted to be when they were eight years old. And when I say a lot of people, I'm talking about people who listen to us, not the actual guests that we have up here. So, um, And a lot of people just typically don't become what they wanted to be at eight, right? Because you sometimes yeah. think ridiculous things. And there's plenty of, you know, you're a professional wrestler. And it's like, mm -hmm. how many wrestlers like Chris Jericho were like, I wanted to be a professional wrestler. And then there's other people like The Rock 
that wanted to be a football player and that didn't pan out and then wrestling fell into his lap as far as being his career and then i'm sure he was never like i want to be the biggest action star and then you know that snowballed into him becoming the biggest action star so that's just you never know what people oh. he could have said i want to be a firefighter you know uh -huh. and now you know he voices over 1200 characters so exactly exactly and then you know i could say we didn't even you know ask him about like some stuff because i mean it, he's like crap that he's worked over 1200 characters and like when i saw that he was on power rangers and all this other stuff i'm just like man like it's like you think that you know somebody but <laughs> then it's just like you really you know know somebody once you do these deep dives I think you know somebody <laughs> but uh yeah i mean another great interview the great turkey right. war it's almost here and uh the train's we hope coming that, to a uh, stop yeah, and we hope that uh, D can uh, be here to join us. Hopefully, hey, he'll he make it Black back. Adam. Yeah, hopefully he stopped Black Adam. Yeah, I feel like he always makes it back. He but, always makes you know, it back. But Trav, we don't know that because that could be a variant of D. We never know that, you know, because all of these kind of like the Eminem clone, exactly, or the John Cena clone. <laughs> yeah. You know, so. Uh, with that being said, Trav, let them know where they can find you at the social media. Of yeah. course, I am on the Instagram at ZK Audio. I am on the Twitter at T-R-A-V-I-O-S-C-K, where I'm also on Letterboxd, ranking and rating my daily movie watches. And of course, I just watched that brand new Mia Kunis Netflix film, Luckiest Girl Alive. Uh, not what I was expecting. I really enjoyed it, but it was not what I expected going in. So be alarmed. And, uh, you know, even though D's not here, you can find D at rebellious D underscore underscore D 23 at Instagram.com. And, uh, you can find me, your hero, Benjamin Banks at King Benji underscore Banks on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me on Facebook at Benjamin Banks. I should be at the first person to pop up. If not, then I need to contact Mr. Zuckerberg. Thank you again, everybody, for listening to our brand new episode with Mr. Richard Aptar. Mm -hmm. And uh, make sure that, um, hold on, let me drop the, let me plug the YouTube again. That is, uh, it's Ellen Stern. And then you can uh, watch Life's a Bitch there. And when you go there, leave that comment and be like, hey, I listened to the Love Filling Up with Benjamin Bank podcast. And those guys are the reason why we're here. And then make sure that you, uh, you know, follow us on all of our social media accounts at Loveling Up Banks. That is on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube at Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks. And then if you are feeling generous and would love to donate to us, we have a Patreon. It is at Leveling Up Banks. And thank you to our patrons who donate to us because you help uh, keep the heat in the house during this uh snowy season right, we don't need, we don't need no heat in this in this house bro i mean it is hot in, it is hot <laughs> but you never know but yeah with that being said keep that pinky up stay positive and uh i hope that you survive a great turkey war and we'll see you next time on leveling up with benjamin banks peace